Oh, hello. We're back. Two podcasts in two days, which is a crazy ratio based on the hit rate for the last couple of years. You are listening to the I Get Pockets podcast, and I am your host, Simon Harris. as always. It is a pleasure to have you back, and it is even more of a pleasure to be talking about NBA fantasy basketball. We are looking at the 21-22 season fantasy reviews for the I Get Buckets League, and we're one team down, and we are looking at going through all 10 teams, talking about all the players, all the important things that we need to know, and projecting it out through the lens of fantasy basketball. So thank you for tuning in again. We have been usually historically going from team picking one all the way through to 10, but what you may have already caught on, given I'll update the title of this podcast, is that we're going to shake it up a little bit and go to the team that picked at number 10 by special request and also because maybe I felt a little bit guilty that this coach always is in the 10th or 9th and in that way they've probably waited longer than everyone else usually to get the review and at some times it's been a bit uh, rushed maybe as I hit a deadline. So um, while I've got the time, it's been um, a, a bit awesome that I've squeezed it a couple of um, hours here. But um, what I will say is that I don't know if you picked up, but I've tried to come, save myself some time with doing a little bit more reviews off the top, less statistical um, analysis bogging myself down. But um, what I did do is um, forget that last time around we did two teams per podcast and um, I've created myself um, double the amount of podcasts <laughs> um, to do this time around. But they aren't as long and, and we'll try to, to pop through them pretty quickly. But what I will say quickly and I think important um, before I delve into to some of the technical um, analysis that we're going to go through is I probably I was hoping to mention last part and forgetting about some of the just an overall comment on the landscape with uh, COVID at the moment in terms of the capacity of players to potentially miss games due to state regulations in the NBA mandate mandating vaccines for home teams. So um, Andrew Wiggins was a player um, taken yesterday that I neglected to mention was, you know, refused an exemption for getting the the vaccine due to religious beliefs, the NBA um, ruling that this is um, not not something that he'd be approved for. And there's a, a few different cases around the NBA that might have an impact on um, especially the start of the season. So apparently um, about 90% of, of NBA players are double back. So if you put that through the, the lens of, of what we're looking at in terms of 150 cohort plus, you know, free agency picks on top of that. So tech, you know, potentially this, you know, 180 kind of um, grouping, if you're going by the, the 90%, you know, we are looking at um, 18, you know, players on average that might be impacted by rules. And then obviously out of those 18, you're more looking at your California and New York State at the moment, um, with the big one obviously being Kyrie Irving, which we'll talk about when we get to a review specifically from him. Um, I think off the top, my thoughts were I weren't wasn't too worried initially about um, players potentially missing games just because it seemed... Um, by general conversation and grabs from 
both players and GMs that they're quietly confident that things are going to be okay and that they're going to be playing basketball from tip-off. I think some of the reports as, as recently as uh, only a few hours ago, given a lot of teams are doing media day now, um, there's a little bit more um, concern, I guess, about about what it's going to look like and impact certain players. Um, I, I, I still genuinely feel confident that it's not going to be a huge issue. But when we start getting to training camps and preseason, um, things might change very quickly. But um, I just think it's 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 definitely a wait and see kind of thing. And I, I mentioned I was supposed to mention it with Andrew Wiggins yesterday, and I didn't. So um, yeah, we'll quickly do that. Um, basketball podcast, so um, we won't have too much commentary around it. But I would uh, just hope that um, everyone here and there would be looking to get vaxxed if possible. And then we can get back to everything and everyone can, can feel a little bit more safe, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Back to, to basketball. And I think the I said when we drafted in the, in the I Get Back Buckets League that this year having pick 10 wasn't a very bad year to get it. And I still believe that. And my, I guess my belief for this was when I, I start, you know, doing the rankings and what, you know, most people see sometimes, it feels like there's real blocks of players where you can kind of say, I think um, a, a players, you know, 1 to 15 are in a different class that I want to draft from as much as possible here. And then there's a bit of a drop-off. And then there might be, you know, these these players from, you know, 40 to 60 that are really, you know, players that you want to list. And then there's a real drop-off and you don't really feel confident about some of the guys. This year when I was doing my ranking, I, I really felt firmly that there was a top like 11 that you could group. And I know I said yesterday, you know, there, there is the elite out of that, but there's 11 players that I felt really comfortable taking uh, in the first round, regardless of how everything felt. So I thought that with pick 10, um, the ability to potentially um, get players that kind of dropped to you with 10, 11, I felt really good about. I really think that anyone that I kind of ranked here had the ability over the season to you know finish as your fifth or sixth or seventh ranked player, um, and you would feel good about about that. So this year um, with pick ten, the um, the team here we, we saw Kevin Durant get picked, and I wasn't surprised. I think it was um, an interesting and fair pick, and I think everyone kind of understands why or everyone really did. Every coach had the opportunity to take him before he and passed on him. And I think a lot of what that would be would be obviously because of the expectation potentially that um, Kevin Durant isn't going to play every single game. And last season, regardless of him averaging 33.1, he didn't really play enough games for you to um, bank on him as a a first-round prospect. But my, my my feelings with Duran is obviously on the wake of, of COVID impacting him last year. Fingers crossed that that is not something that he has to um, deal with moving forward. But, you know, the the knee issues were really a thing that Brooklyn have, have focused in on, on playoffs and managing him to the time that they need to, you know, get down and win. And, and this season, I don't feel it's going to be any different. Um, but, you know, the, the level of kind of eliteness and... and, and basketball fantasy prowess that Kevin Durant brings, you know, deserves him not to be to fall too late. Initially when I had my fantasy rankings up purely on on the player 
um, without kind of layering in all of, of the other things was, was that he's someone that I'd be looking at in, in pick five or six, really. And then that's when he started kind of bumping down the rankings because of the expectation that he might miss. Um, and that's when I landed him at, at nine on my ranking. So taking 10, I think, is is fine. Um, it's really It's really handy. It's going to be kind of through this prism of, or if he's missing, you know, games here and there, what, how opportune and lucky do you, do you, does it end up, you know, how is it impacting your weeks from day to day with a head-to-head league of, you know, matching up with each other? Sometimes, you know, you can get by with these, you know, elite players if sometimes they miss games here and there. Um, that didn't really impact some of the ones, but when you get down to the nitty and gritty, like having someone like Kevin Durant at pick 10 versus, you know, your Embiid or, or your Carl Anthony Towns, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, you can bank on Durant to, you know, really compete and be level pegging with all of these elite players that have got drafted before him. Um, and in that aspect, you'd feel really comfortable. It's just how many games is he going to play? Um, and I think there's optimism that, that it's going to be, you know, fine. And it's just, you know, obviously being aware that there was a large minute workload put into him um, over the course of the playoffs and the Tokyo Olympics. So that's everyone's across the reasons on why he slipped. And then it's just more of a kind of betting fingers crossed game that Kevin Durant, arguably best player in the world can do enough of Kevin Durant to, to make, um, yeah, he feels like a really huge asset and game changer that he is. Um, and the fact that if you can wait this long and take him at 10 and then back him up with Anthony Davis, again, makes me feel really comfortable. Um, I had Davis at, at 10 on my rankings again, so it's only one place ahead of where he's been taken. Uh, I thought there was a huge question for me this <laughs> this season looking at the, the Lakers 3 and how we order them. And um, I think Anthony Davis, this would have to be, <clears throat> excuse me, the first time, I think, since his third season where he hasn't been a top... He's definitely not been a, a, a top first round, maybe as much as, like, top five. So, obviously, the back end of last year with injury and then him really kind of not hitting the expectations of what he's historically done has, has made him, you know, be a little bit overlooked, I think. But you bank on, on what he's kind of done and his ability to fill the box score moving forward that he's still this elite ass asset for you for you to get. I think he's the most important, you know, Laker on the team. Um and it's gonna be a really interesting one to kind of see how he goes. It's it's more for me that you know some other players have passed him, um, and that their situation lends themselves to be more fam- fantasy friendly rather than Anthony Davis, you know, not being who who we know Anthony Davis to be. So again it's just very similar to Kevin Durant in terms of if you told me that your first two picks were Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant and, you know, most years and even this year, again, you're kind of stoked with that. And your first two really, when you compare them to every other team's first two, come back looking really good. And I'd be very happy that's a cornerstone you can build on <laughs> in a really big way. Again, it's just some of the health issues and some of the, the, the question marks around what the Lakers are going to do, but I wouldn't have even many of them. I think Anthony Davis is the start, and um, if he slipped to anyone further than, than here, I think they, he would have got snapped up pretty quickly. So um, I think I think he's done he's done really good. It's it's just um, an interesting one, for I think, for everyone to track both of them this year um, from a, a viewing pleasure as well. So 
Um, fingers crossed he can he can do a lot of the things that that we've seen. But um, yeah, a big uh, again similar to when we we talk about mine. We've got the the gap now all the way down to pick thirty, and um, we have DeAndre Ayton next. So DeAndre Ayton's a really interesting one because of. I guess last year I had him ranked really highly. A lot of fantasy teams had him ranked really highly as this huge kind of breakout player that if he can, you know, potentially do a little bit more offense, he has this um, almost Carl Anthony Towns upside with fantasy without the three-point shot, but statistically he can kind of churn over those numbers quite easily. Um, He didn't have the season that I think people were expecting fantasy-wise, but we saw when it comes to, to the playoffs how important um, he can be. The way he was spoken about um, just in general in, in NBA conversations really kind of took that next leap. Um, obviously, the Suns kind of put a bit of respect to what they're doing. Um, and I think through the the prism of, of getting guys that we think can really improve still, I think DeAndre Aiden's a nice one to, to add. Uh, the shooting obviously is not something we're expecting him to, to add to his bow, but I think the way they've kind of got the chemistry going um, there, DeAndre Aiden was deserved to be taken in the third round. I had him ranked um, at 24 on my big board, so I think um, his average of 24.8 last year, he could really potentially push up to you know, your 27, 28 if things go right. Um, I think there were safer players to go for, but you were starting to really scrape on that kind of elite fantasy um, projections once you get to the back end of, of round three and you start getting a little bit more risky and he was one of the safest players left on the board that I'd be really happy to add. Um, and then, you know, when, you, when you've got Kevin Durant and, and Anthony Davis and you're waiting that time, you kind of really take the most the most bankable play there. And um, I think it, it was a really good one with uh, DeAndre Aiden. Um I think the next one's a, a little bit risky, but probably um, people did like, oh, wow, he's gone early. And then I looked at him, oh, and actually, it's not that bad with Tobias Harris next at 31. So um, I think based on his season last year, we he's shown that, you know, his Clipper kind of number days weren't, you know, all gone. He can be a real bankable fantasy asset rather than someone that's just not going to, pick up the slack a little bit. I think what was kind of done was obviously with Ben Simmons' season last year and the whole Ben Simmons issue this year is that what we saw from Tobias Harris can only be built upon, especially um, if something goes through that's you know friendly for Tobias Harris to take still more of that scoring role and counting numbers um, position for him. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a handy place and, and probably deserved for for what he's shown to be last year. Um, and I think he's only going to get potentially better. Um, but I just I, there's a lot of inconsistency still to his game. I think he can kind of slide out of the rotations. I'm, I'm a little bit confused on what Doc Rivers is going to do this year. There's all a bit of question marks on the Ben Simmons stuff. Um, I think there were you know players out there he could have targeted a little bit more. I had him as 44 on my board, so at at um, 31, it's a little bit early for me, but um, I think the, the conversation around what he can do um, was shown last year to, to be quite well, so 
Um, I don't have a, a massive problem with that. It's more, um, you know, you could have got your Clint Capella and Christian Woods um, a little bit um, later and even plays in the same round like Lamella Ball, Brown and, and Porter Jr. Um, have the potential to, to go ahead and, and kind of really have that step forward. Whereas Tobias Harris, um, it's a little bit, you know, underwhelming. But again, um, building on the back of a few of the earlier picks, uh, with the expectation, I think coach said that when Simmons gets moves, Tobias Harris is, is back to being a top 30 player. Um, and you would bit of a wait and see, but we, we can respect that opinion there, I think. Um, all the way, the next two picks are really interesting ones, and I wish I had more time to kind of delve down, um, but <laughs> I think Anthony Edwards at pick 50 is quite fascinating. I think he was one of the most 0-100 um, to 100 kind of fantasy assets last year with him getting drafted and being an absolute zero for teams and a burden to its own. We've seen, you know, him dishing out, you know, negative scores quite regularly in a couple of weeks span before getting, you know, disowned in our league and then re, uh, re-picked up just as kind of D'Angelo Russell went down and the green light was was, was on for Anthony Edwards to take, you know, 30 shots a game. <laughs> um, and, and what kind of saw is like a huge turnaround and, and becoming one of the biggest assets for the team that ultimately took out a championship and probably a game changer for a lot of... Um, teams around um, who are playing fantasy. So his average of 19.8 is a little bit, um, I guess, it's not. A, it doesn't really paint the whole picture given that it's a tale of two halves where he probably averaged, you know, close to 25, 26 over, over, over a span at the back where, and, you know, his average when he got dropped, I think was, you know, close to nine. Maybe, I think it was under 10. So um, it's, it's his, like his role, I think, Minnesota, I've got stock in kind of what he's doing and they kind of have to construct themselves in a way that it doesn't stunt his playmaking and shot selection and impact to be kind of this scorer. But again, a lot of the, some of the flaws that we told or was spoke about with Anthony Edwards when he was drafted and even, you know, early last year, I think are still there. You know, his shooting needs to get better. He's, his shot selection as a number one rookie when the T-Wolves are tanking doesn't make me upset, but it's something that potentially is a problem when you've got, you know, a Towns and a D-Lo or, or pieces around there, you know, really wanting to win. And do they want to empower Anthony Edwards to, to take on that piece of the pie as much as we kind of saw? I think they kind of have to, but I'm just, I think it's a real interesting coaching decision about the way that they play and how they use Anthony Edwards. So um, I think it's a good pick because I project him to kind of pick up where he left off, but I I do have little, you know, concerns about what his kind of shots, um, I guess, oh, his usage rate is going to be is the right word. And if his usage rate isn't at the, the level for him to, to be, you know, top, 50 player he needs to do more things that we haven't really seen yet and without watching him as much as I'd hope to and even as a rookie you know we've only seen you know this one season I like I, I haven't got a real grasp on where he can improve other than 
some of the things that I just listed. And if he does that, I think pick um, 50 is great. I had him at pick 55 on my board. Um, and, you know, he'd be someone that I've been looking at at, at this m- moment, especially, again, if you have two picks in a row, you're really enamored by him. You want um, Tim here and you have to wait 20, not knowing knowing he's not going to come back. So I think it's a good pick. I like it. I think this is one of the, you know, this make or break kind of thing. Um, but the positions he's in, how I expect him to play, even if it doesn't break all the way right, I don't think you're going to be hurt too much um, by this pick. So I like it. Um, it's more just who you miss out on potentially in the next round if they go, go break. But yeah, all good. I think RJ Barrett may have got some shade on draft night, but I don't know why because I you know, I have been critical of RJ Barrett on the on, on some of the pods. I do um, obviously <laughs> like to rag on the Knicks sometime, as everyone does. I like like the, the biggest question marks is obviously the the list construction at the Knicks. Again, you've You've brought back D Rose, you know, you've paid for Fournier. Julius Randle obviously put himself down like he's the guy. Um, but you know, you have drafted Otto Porter, you got quickly. Um Mitchell Robertson's coming back from it. There's there's just a lot of pieces here that like I like them in a vacuum, but the one that I still, you know, stands out as, as someone that they need to put in um the best position to kind of impact and, and carry them. I think it's still IJ Barrett. We've seen enough we haven't been definitively shown enough, I should say, for us to go, you know, he's the guy that, you know, is able to, you know, build a, a team and kind of show us that scoring and, and do those kind of things that we need for uh, for us to <laughs> be a playoff team. And in that essence, it's still kind of Julius Randle. But I think we've seen games and little aspects where it almost like some of his game does remind me of, of, of Jason Tatum, but without that kind of killer instinct yet. Like it's like, it's a Tatum light with, when things come together, you can see it, but um, we, we need more. What's the next step? What's the next element of his game? What I do like is hearing that, you know, he's, he's a bit of a disciple to basketball, that he's really hardworking, that he's doing all the things, you know, you hear a lot of rave reports, but you know, the shooting's not as good. Um, I like when he, he can really kind of cut to the, the basket, but he can't, you know, finish with strength and he doesn't all the, have all the moves that Jason Tatum does. But, um, and then when he gets to the line, he sometimes has issues. But the way he can kind of move without the ball and, and his footwork and obviously his size and strength and position he plays kind of just, I can I can see, you know, the, the beginnings of that. And it's going to go either way, but I'm, I'm happy to hitch my kind of um, wagon to him at 50, 51, thinking that, you know, the Knicks are going to, hopefully try to build back for a playoff contention. Even though Julius Randle is their best player and, you know, the best fantasy asset they have, I don't think it's, you know, 100% lock that he's getting the usage and the role that he wants. You know, the, the coach is going to take them in a way that how can we make this better? RJ Barrett's a piece of this. Um, he's young. He's super young when you look up his age, I think, um, compared to some of the, the draft um, guys, given how long he's been in the league now. Um yeah, I just, I just, I just think it's fine. I think um, the shooting is gonna be a bit of the key. You know, can he hit the corner threes um, at a rate? And then if he can shoot, I'd love to see him shoot. You know, like eight free threes a game because I think he has that capability. Um, let's see, let's see him do a little bit more. I think, and I think he will. So, um, 
yeah, that's my rambling thoughts about AJ Barrett without really giving um, <laughs> a firm, a clear, concise <laughs> projection. But again, I, I think it's a good pick. Um, I'm backing up, and it's interesting because I just listed off a few of the, the Knicks names that he's taken two other Knicks with, with his, um, his draft here. So if, if Barrett doesn't pan out, then maybe one of the others too. And an interesting one is Kemba Walker at pick 70. So Walker this year was someone that I kind of kept bumping down my list that I didn't really want to touch based on last year um, a little bit, but also a little bit of confusion that even if he lands at a place where he gets the similar role to what kind of he had at Boston, where he's that starting point guard guy, they want to drive a lot of the offense. Like even if he does get that role, with his kind of skill set and pace and and everything <laughs> at the way it is now is like i don't think the ideal role is enough to reestablish a uh, this view of what we've seen Kemba Walker being in the past um so that's why i was i was, I was worried about how much he can score and when he doesn't score efficiently which we saw last year he he doesn't have the the extra elements to his fantasy game that kind of propped him up. Um, when we saw, I think there was that one season where he, he finished all NBA third team, I think, and, and kind of triggered that clause in his contract for him to be offered the Supermax. Like, he had that season where I think he averaged 27 or something in fantasy, and he really showed that, you know, oh, I'm an elite player. But, you know, those days are kind of gone a little bit. All the, the Knicks players are listed off before make me a little bit worried about how much we're going to see from Kemba on a night-to-night basis. The positive outlook is that is that I do think it's a it's a good place for him, and the Knicks want him to be there. And we're going to see at least like we're going to see a little bit of a um, resurrection kind of of Kemba Walker for the Knicks to to see what they've got like at least. And I think in that aspect, it's. It's it's worth taking a punt on. I just I was a little bit scared of, of what he was gonna be. I had him at ninety four on my big lord, so I did have him quite a, a bit lower than pick seventy. But then again, I think I was a little bit scarred <laughs> from taking him last um, season. But anyway, um, next one was the first rookie that we had taken, and probably the rookie that I would have taken first as well, and that's obviously Cade Cunningham. Um, Rookies are always hard to project. Um, not to go back on, on some of my Lamella ball spiel, but um, I was able to, to watch a lot more Lamella ball than I've ever watched rookies usually coming into the NBA. Um, and you can take what you want from some of the performances, but I felt a little bit no, like more kind of in the bank to make an informed decision. And again, with some of these rookies, it, it's hard to project. I think... Cade Cunningham, you know, obviously the Detroit um, area from him, like I think it's a good team for him to land on and and really show his potential. They're going to give him opportunities. We've seen that one of the reasons I think he went one because he has a really good head on his shoulders. I'm really um, positive about the career that, you know, Cade Cunningham can have long-term. But it's just kind of working out where his best kind of fantasy asset and projection is going to come from. And where do you kind of place that? I think, you know, he can 
I think Jeremy Grant probably has, you know, the, the firm kind of hold on, on Detroit's best fantasy asset and leader. But, you know, Cade Cunningham comes into a position where he might quickly become more of, you know, the guy, and at least they want to empower him to do that. Um, I'm a little bit curious about how they're going to work out some of the stuff with Killian Hayes, but I think he's he's the one to go for. And I think at, at 71, um, it's, a, it's a fair... Um, shot for, for you to get him here um, especially if you were kind of stuck and this is where I kind of felt positioning some of the rookies for me is when I got stuck in my rankings and, and later down the draft you're like oh shit I don't know who to take here I wanted this guy but they've gone I don't want to get this guy it feels like it's a bit early sometimes that feels like a nice um, time to, to, to go for um, a rookie so Cade Cunningham I think is good I had him at 64 on my rankings, so um, in that aspect, I think 71 sounds about right. Um, next, we have Miles Turner. So I think as long as Miles Turner has, um, you know, one leg and is is on a roster, um, this coach is going to take him and give him the benefit of the doubt. I I I'm I've been a bit off, and I think everyone's been off of of Miles Turner as a, a fantasy player since the emergence of, of Sabonis and some of the injuries that he's had. Off him enough that pick 90 isn't good? No, of course not. Like, I think Miles Turner showed last year with an average of 21.4 that he is, you know, solid um, end-to-middle-round kind of fantasy value if he can be on the court, if Indiana um, can find enough of a role for him whether it's to kind of anchor the defense and, and play a little bit more of the minutes without Sabonis, because I think that's the problem that they've shown is um, is our best lineup with Sabonis and Turner, and that's that's the frightening thing, especially if they're getting a little bit back and they want to run, um, you know, lineups with with Brogdon, Levert, um, and TJ Warren. Um, do you do you want to fill out some of that height with? with both Sabonis and Turner, probably not. Um, but um, Coach, as a, as a Pacers fan, probably has a bit of a insight and thoughts on, onto that. And I had him ranked 87 on my board, so to get him at 90, I think, is is right about there. And I think the fingers crossed he can replicate the average of last year, but, you know, stay on the court a little bit more. Um, I think the next pick is, is actually really interesting. And I won't go as far as saying good, but I look at it and I'm like, yep, I get it, I understand it this can really kind of swing to be all right. And it's Devontae Graham at pick um, 91. So um, I'm off Devontae Graham as a basketball player. And I think last year, some of my my projection of like Lamella Ball and conversations that I had with him starting was because, you know, Devontae Graham's not that good. <laughs> um, but for him to kind of land in New Orleans and, and kind of show that, you know, he's, he's good enough for, to say, you know, if the team, you know, want to give him the license to kind of have carve out, you know, your 28 to 32 minutes plus a game um, in that role, he's going to at least be a respectable shooter. And then hopefully him not being someone that I, you know, I'm enamored with, but because his role and the way he plays, the, the Pelicans kind of being... Uh, they've got a lot of middling kind of like ball handle, like shooting guard kind of players and if Devontae Graham can you know 
be be that guard that kind of just gets them into their sets and does stuff. The counting numbers may come. Obviously, I spoke, or oh, I will speak, I think maybe on that point Zion kind of stuff that I think they lend themselves to. Um, they might be doing that a little bit more, but you know, him off ball, taking some threes and stuff like that is probably not a bad thing. Um, there's a chance that this, you know, we, we watch a few games and like, oh yeah, it's, it's not really working. Um, I, I really feel like, you know, there's a chance that this doesn't go, go right. But I think, um, with a lot of the, the thought process on, on how this can go well is, is, is well worth having more of a, a look into and that the cost of pick 91 for him in his new position and, and way to play basketball makes makes a lot of sense. So I think he would have, you know, been on people's radars a little bit around um, this time anyway. So, yeah, I think that is fine for him. Sorry, just finding him on my rankings. I had him at 112. So I think I was a little bit more um, risk-averse with, with the selection of Devontae Graham. But... Um, yeah, again, I can get the, the reasoning behind it and see if it pays out. <laughs> Another risky one that everyone, I think, um, may have been offering is Marvin Bagley the third, um, taking all the way down at pick 110. So um, it's it's hard to, to provide commentary about Marvin Bagley the third because it's less about what he can do and more about his role, I guess, because what we've seen hasn't been great, obviously. <laughs> He's going to go down historically as one of the biggest draft misses when you consider that he was drafted over Luka Doncic, who was our number three three pick this year and two pick last year. And then for, I think, maybe the second year in a row, he's going, you know, into the hundreds. Um, but he's taken it to a reason, like, we... We've we've seen little spurts of him and enough to say like you know I don't it 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 might not be there it doesn't really fit well he's not bonding with his team you know he's got his dad coming out on Twitter you know having pipe shots it's just a, it feels toxic it feels like a risk to buy in but there's just this this voice in the back of your head going he's he's got something like <laughs> he's he can he can do a little bit around the rim um he has like. I, I want him to be a bit more aggressive on the rebounds. I feel like his positioning hasn't really been good. But at the same time, like I, I want to get you know a good stint of like 20 games where I can see a lot of him to, to really write him off. And I think, you know, a timing-wise at 110, um, this is, you know, something, you know, where you start taking those risks. If you've watched him a little bit more than me and, you know, you can see where the, some of the areas for him to, to improve come from. But again, it's... You know, Rashawn Holmes and, and if Harrison Barnes, who excelled and was amazing, you know, at the power forward position last year for not only team chemistry, but for shooting and, and everything that I gush about Harrison Barnes every bloody season uh, was was on display. It's like, okay, well, um, where's the role going to be sustainably? Are the Kings shopping him? Um, what's it all look like? Is he even good? I don't know. There's There's just so many question marks. And if someone could you know, jump on and give a more clear <laughs> analysis of, of their thoughts on Marvin Bagley. I'd feel really appreciative of that. But um, it, it, it's more of a hopeful, um, good pick um, than anything. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, Evan Fournier, it, it's interesting. I think at 100 and... 
120, sorry, 111, this one is. I almost like <laughs> Evan Fournier more than I do um, Kemba Walker. And um, I had Evan Fournier at four places below Kemba on my big board. Um, so that kind of speaks to, to the thought process there. I had him at 98. And I, I kind of low-key like the fit of, of Fournier and the Knicks. I think they need a little bit more of someone who can kind of create their own shot um, and, and kind of score that's not um, Alec Burks. <laughs> All respect to, to Alec Burks. And can kind of get them in their sets a little bit without the, the bulldoze rush kind of Julius Randle approach. Like, I think um, we've seen from Derek Rose and, and, and Kemba in terms of some of the handling and balance and getting the sets. But Fournier is someone, you know, who you can run sets for, you can, you know, um, screen and, 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 and roll and, and get him to kind of uh, come off stuff to, to hit threes. And I think there's it just kind of opens up a lot of doors for them to run their schemes and, and kind of a lot of these nice lineups where you're going to see Evan Fournier um, potentially, you know, scoring, you know, high mid-20s, you know, consistently. Um, obviously, it's hard to project him doing that enough for, for his average to be, you know, in the 20s, but it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Like, I, I really do feel there's a, a position for him. He doesn't do enough elsewise, and there's obviously a lot of analytic stuff that really kind of doesn't favor Fournier very well, especially in the defensive end. Um, and so that kind of opens the door on, on how um, Tibbs feels about some of the stuff that they're going to do. Um and they, the Knicks, again, have a lot of these pieces. So that's why, you know, even though I'm, I'm saying a lot of the stuff that I, I like about him, in general, he's not really my favorite player <laughs> to watch or do anything. But strictly trying to analyze, you know, his fit and, and how things work, I, I'd be quite bullish on that. And I like him more than, more than Kemba Walker. So I think he's actually quite a good pick at 111 here. I like it. Um, and we'll see. It might might turn to shit, but I I have reasons to be to be bullish. Um, James Wiseman at these next pick at 130 almost feels like um, Marvin Bagley. <laughs> what two years ago that I, <laughs> everything that I'm like, if you told me two years ago you got Marvin Bagley at 30, 130, you'd be like sick. This is his pathway forward. If he gets the minutes, this is how I feel like he can can play and and firm up a role within um, his team. And um, that's how I feel about, about Wiseman. So hopefully, you know, he can do all the things that Marvin Bagley hasn't in the past couple of years. And um, But being on a good team, I think Steve Kerr and that, they're, they're willing to kind of hold him back um, for his own kind of good. Um, there's a lot of talk, obviously, last year about the, the, the impact he has on their kind of per hundred... Um, scoring both defensively and offensively and kind of how it works. But with another offseason, um, with the talent that we did see in a few games, um, this is the second season a row coach has kind of gone for him. And I think he would have taken him earlier than 130 last year. And he's in a better position this year to impact fantasy whilst taking him later. So, I mean, through that, those two things alone, I think um, it's a nice... Uh, it's a nice nice ad and, and for, for the last three rounds is someone that I'd be happy to roll a dice on. Um, Kawhi Leonard is an interesting dice roll. So um, I, I, it doesn't hurt you as much given it's the second last pick at 131. But I, I think I echo a lot of the thoughts at the time that you'd have to be very um, 
really thinking positively about his returning at any position to um, impact fantasy squad, especially if we're doing more of an 18-round season, which makes sense, I think, um, given that with All-Star Week, where it is, the longer playoffs that we're doing, um, it would only be 19, and it doesn't make sense. So if we're playing a shorter season, even if you, you know, have an expectation to make playoffs, may not be making playoffs. It is like, you know, a good six, seven, eight weeks before the end of um, the official season, almost. Um, And we wouldn't be thinking we're seeing him until really that back end. Um, So in that that aspect, I think it's a wasted pick, really. Um, But yeah, all the way to, to him finishing off the, the last pick of the draft next um, with Brook Lopez. And I'm happy that he got drafted. Lopez is my boy. I'll never say bad things about Lopez. Um, I will have a couple of thoughts, I think, about Lopez when I talk about um, Bobby Portis. Um, but I think, you know, we've seen enough that he kind of gets drafted and sticks on teams. So my thoughts yesterday about, um, I think it was Tim Hardaway Jr., I. I echo with Brook Lopez a lot in terms of they're completely different players, but they've raised their floor enough in what he does that he kind of sticks on, on on teams. But if he's not hitting his threes, and, and this is a weird thing that is <laughs> um, quite similar to Tim Hardaway Jr., but about Lopez, go figure. If he um, is hitting his threes, it kind of it, it, it makes a lot more sense. But when he's not, you know, he's never been a good rebound a good rebound. He's never got the the rebounding numbers that you'd expect from big man, uh, and the way they kind of play around Giannis and everything. I think we saw moments of kind of brilliance from him and moments of um, how is this going to work long term in terms of the playoffs and and the dynamics they're going moving forward. So we saw real kind of stretches where um, he was really impactful, but then other ones where he just kind of got attacked in playoffs and it didn't work. And while that was playoffs and not regular season and, and it's more of a long-term game, I do feel that the Bucks will look at their team and say, okay, we've won one, but this is not the end of the journey. Let's go back. Like, what are we doing right? How do we evolve our roster? Where's the growth coming from? Um, and I don't feel like Lopez really fits into any of that stuff. He's still going to have a role. He's still going to be a really big player for them and a leader and, and all that good stuff. But... You know, he's, he's um, I guess, what he did last year, I don't think he's going to be an improvement or anything like that. But this is a lot of, you know, words for the last pick of the draft, um, which, you know, can be replaced almost immediately. So, yeah, all good. I, what I will, you can quickly touch on now that we've opened um, free agency, that the couple of picks that he did has already made in free agency, which is, um, on average... Far by far a lot more than he usually <laughs> does at this time of the season. Uh, Dylan Brooks was one of the darling hearts of our um, statistical analysis on the changes that we made with the shot reduction um, impact. So um, he was kind of used as the the pinup boy that would be benefiting the most, and um, for whatever reason, I'm not sure if that anatomy, but they've got him. Um, it's potentially being a big part of the Memphis moving forward. An average of 16.3 last year um, is something that potentially you can improve on. But I had him ranked at 163, and um, the feeling was that 
and for, because I owned him for a couple of weeks last year, um, he's, he's a bit of a hard one um, to think that he's going to stick around a little bit. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's only a quick thought. Kyle Anthony's an interesting one because Mark Alfultz is out. But I'm just curious on um, Jalen Suggs and, and how things kind of go around him. But overall, Orlando are kind of, you know, starving for, for fantasy players that can be relied on. And there's 100% a market for Kyle Anthony to to carve out a role. It's, um yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he kind of plays with Suggs and how they look at Hampton as a, an investment and um, if at any time Fultz comes back and all that good stuff. Um, forgive me for not um, watching any of Orlando Magic for a long time. Um, when Isaac gets back, I'll be interested because I, I still quite like him. But, yeah. Oh, we've done it. We've done another one. Um, hopefully that wasn't too much word vomit as it feel. It felt like as I was doing it and it made some kind of sense. But, um, you know, we get into the good stuff here. I get Puckett's podcast. You know, if you really want um, a good five minutes about Marvin Bagley, then this is where you're going to get it. So um, thanks again. I appreciate everyone for, for tuning in and shout-outs to Adam. Hopefully this coming a couple of weeks earlier than um, you anticipated. Um helps a little bit for you to start tinkering your team and, and um, get your <laughs> um, your excuses ready. But no, I'm boyish about this team. Um, I think it's well overdue, um, and he'd say the same, that there needs to be a return to, to playoffs for, for him soon um, at some point, or it's going, it's going to become a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, love you all, guys. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening, regardless of, of what where you come from. And... Um, We'll catch you soon. I'll chat. I'll I'll push these out as quick as possible. So, thanks, guys.